the son of the living God. And he stayed around the temple day by day by day by day. And the Bible says that this dude was getting old, right? <laughs> Do y'all think he wanted to give up on sin? I mean, how many days went by where people came in with babies that he's thinking, is that the Messiah? Is that the Messiah? Lord, I know you gave me a promise that I would see the consolation. Lacey. I, I, you know, I had a thought, too, while we were in worship. I'm like, man, I hope the spirit don't hit her and she take off running with one of them crutches. Because <laughs> she's one of them crazy women like that. We love you and we're praying for you, Lacey, for quick recovery. So Simeon is waiting on the consolation of Israel. I just wondered in my heart, did he want to give up? Did he want to quit? Did he ever get to a place where he knew the Lord had given him a promise to see the Lord? And then one day, man, everything changed. He heard a cry that was like no other cry before. And with his own eyes and with his own heart, God fulfilled a promise. The risen, the Lord came through a virgin and he witnessed that promise. I don't know about you guys today, but how many of y'all have a word from the Lord, have something in your heart that resonates that you know, God, you've spoken this to me. Your word has said this to me. I know that this is going to happen I don't see it. I don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. But this thing in me is alive. And so my prayer today through this message is whatever the hope is, whatever the thing is in your heart, that God's spirit is going to raise it up and that it's going to become alive in your heart. Whatever the promise is, whatever thing that the Lord has told you, whatever you are believing for, whatever is in, has engaged in you, that have kept you going for, I don't know about y'all, but when I got saved, I had like so many revelations and so many hopes in my heart that things would come to pass. I was so alive. Y'all remember that? But then I started walking with the Lord for a while, and then life starts hitting, time starts happening, and then all of a sudden, you can lose that fire. How many of y'all know you can, you can get in a valley in, in your faith? And so my prayer today is that God's going to breathe new life into the seed that he has put in our heart. Lord, yes. Amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to go into 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 38. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Everybody say, ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to read a lot of scripture, but not just any scripture. This story is so interesting. I love this story. So let's do this together as a family. I believe the Lord wants to show each and every one of us something in this message. And so let's pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Show me what you want me to learn. Teach me. Give me a message. A fresh message from you. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. You know, one of the things about Billy Graham that I love so much is that whenever he preached any message, he would always use Old Testament, New Testament, and practical teaching. He always lined up the Old Testament with Jesus. Every story lines up with Jesus. So as we're reading this story, I want you to be thinking about Jesus, his life, and his resurrection power, his seed. 
Verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. I like that little phrase, notable woman. It really means that she was a woman of influence, a woman of character, a woman that could perhaps was wealthy, someone who stood out. When I think about that, I think about um, Michelle O'Connor. I don't see her in here right now. Where is she? And I, it's because the way she carries herself. When I think about a notable woman, I think about Aunt Debbie. Someone who has influence, someone that has connections. And so this was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. If you want to get to a man of God, give him some food. I'm just telling you right now. Ray Seneca ain't here today, but he would testify that I got him to come back to church through his belly. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Verse 9. And she said to him, to her husband, that's good, she's checking with her husband. That's what Michelle does, right? Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. I want to show you something in this scripture, verse 10. It says, basically, I don't know if you're getting the whole gist of this, but they're getting ready to knock out a wall and do an addition. Now, if you call Superior Flooring and Construction right there on the corner and ask them for a quote on an addition, 50G just to start with, I'm just telling you. Right? That's the low end, right? So what, what I want you to see in this scripture is that it costs the Shunammite woman something to be able to get around the man of God. Do you see that? Verse 11. Oh, <coughs> superior flooring and construction, 687-6015. For any of you that need any kind of work done. Mick, I'm getting slow, man. That's, I would plug your business, but, like, I need some work. All right. Verse 11. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned in the upper room and laid down. So they built a, a room for him, and he's coming, and he's hanging out, and he's liking it. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. Verse 13. Man, I love the word. And he said to him, Say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Tap your name and say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? <laughs> Did anybody answer? <laughs> They're like, give me 10,000. <laughs> do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my people. You know what she was saying? I'm good. Next verse. Man, isn't that amazing, though? I mean, think, I want you to think about that just for a second. She paid a price to get around the man of God or to get around a type and a shadow of what I'm going to call Jesus here. She paid a price to get around him, and then watch what happens. There is a reciprocity that happens, and then the man of God goes to her and says to her, what can I do for you? Isn't that awesome? 
I mean, has anyone ever had, you just went to church and just something happened to you. Like, I, I can't tell you how many people said, man, I came to church, I ain't had a job, and somebody in the church offered me a job. It helps to get around the presence of God. Verse 14, so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. Kind of sounds like Abraham. Verse 15, so he said, call her, and when he had called her, she stood in the doorway, verse 16. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. What she was saying was, look, hey, I'm beyond flattery. Don't flatter me right now. How many of y'all know, like, I don't need another prophetic word. Like, hey, I want to see, I, I see it come to pass. Verse 18. Oh, we're on 17. Thank you. And the woman conceived. Thank you, Miss Teresa. But the woman could. You know what? I have not been officially blessed. Blessed, <laughs> If you don't get the Sandra White blessing, you're not knighted to do the service. I just got knighted. <laughs> Double blessing. But the woman conceived and bore a son. When the appointed time had come, of which Elijah had told her, verse 18. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, verse 19. And he said to his father, my head, my head. My mama used to say if I had a head like that, my head would hurt too. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother, verse 20. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on his knees till noon and then died. So you see how the father just gave the responsibility to the mama? <laughs> and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Verse 22. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Verse 23. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new, man, new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. I don't know if you get this right here. But like she took the dead son and put it on the man of God's bed, went to her husband and said, hey, I just need, look, I need a car and a chauffeur. I need to take a little trip to go find the man of God. And he's like, is everything okay? Because he know that the kid just had a bad headache, right? Like asking her, this gangster chick didn't even tell her husband I mean, did you see that? She didn't even tell her husband. I mean, that, that kind of stuff wouldn't fly in my house. I'm just telling you. I'd be in so much trouble. Then she sat on a donkey and said to her servant, drive. You see, I told you they went in a car. Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. Verse 25. And so she departed. And went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So I, verse 25, this is pretty cool. So from Shuneman to Mount Carmel was 20 miles. And so I map quest on my phone what was 20 miles. And so 20 miles from here, from the River Church, is Blue Bayou Water Park, just to give you an idea. And so I did driving directions or driving time, and then I did walking time. So to walk... From here to Blue Bayou Water Park is like a nine-hour walk. <coughs> it's a nine-hour walk. 
Now that's on straight pavement, right? They on trails and going up mountains. And I mean, this is not like, you know, our Louisiana beautiful highways. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying nothing. All right. So basically, it probably took her around 12 hours on a donkey. So this was a 24-hour journey for her. Just, just to get an idea of what she's... Look, her son is dead in the bed. That was pretty good. Huh? <laughs> Verse 26. Please run now to meet her. Oh, wait, wait, I didn't finish 25. Work with me, T. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, verse 26, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered. Some of us would have blew a gasket right there. <laughs> We would have lost it right now. I mean, you at the man of God that can help you, right? Wow. Well, actually, it was the chump, the chump of the man of God. But at least you could have got some help right there, right? And she said, it is well. Verse 27, now she came to the man of God at the hill. She caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Verse 28. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Verse 29. And he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. In other words, this is serious, man. Get there quick as you can. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives... And as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. I love that tenacity. Verse 31. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. So the hocus pocus stuff didn't work. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. Verse 32. When Elijah came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. Verse 3, he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to them. Yes, what's interesting when I read the two of them, where was the daddy at in all of this whole story? He must have been watching. That's so typical of men, huh? He must have been watching football, don't even know his son is dead up in the bed, waiting on the Elijah, the prophet, to come, and his, and his wife is interceding. Y'all remember Zipporah with Moses who interceded for Moses? And his wife interceded for the whole situation. Verse 34, and he went up and laid on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Beautiful. Verse, that's resurrection power right there. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. Sounds like my wife. She never sneezes once. And the child opened his eyes. Verse 36, and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, pick up your son. Verse 37, so she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. And then verse 38, 
And Elijah returned to Gilgal, Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. So I wanted to illustrate this aspect of this Old Testament story to really point towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of y'all know for 4,000 years, Israel was waiting on the promise, the promise of the Messiah, the one that was going to liberate them from all of the Roman rule, from all of their, their wicked ways, all of their problems. There was going to be a king that was going to come that was foretold, that was prophesied. Can you imagine the joy on the shepherds when the angels of God came to them and said, hey, the one that's been on promise is here. Can you imagine the electricity? I'm just trying to think, when if, if I'm a shepherd just minding my own business and two big, white, holy-looking, shining, glowing angels show up, what's, what, what's going to happen to my physical body? Can you imagine the joy on the people of Israel to see a man named Lazarus raised from the dead? Can you imagine the buzz that was going on around this promise that they had been waiting on for so many years. Can you imagine the minds of people when Jesus came with a new grace, a new doctrine, and says, let the first one who sinned cast the first stone. Can you imagine how, how things had shifted at the coming of this promise? But only for that promise that we all waited on, Israel waited on 4,000 years to be misunderstood, to be beat, to be flogged, to be humiliated, ridiculed, and crucified. The promise that all of our hearts have longed for and waited. I believe we were all created with that longing that God created us to desire his son Jesus. Many people didn't even know he was the promise. Sometimes we don't even know. We don't even recognize the promise. I'm just thinking about in your own life right now. When you think that your hopes, your dreams, and the things of God are in your life seems to be being crucified, and you don't understand what's going on, why is these things happening to me? Why does this cycle keep repeating itself? Why am I not, why haven't I gotten the breakthrough in this area? What is the problem, Lord? You gave me a promise. Why is it not coming to pass? And so many, even his own disciples, didn't even understand and realize, hey, I, and destroy this temple, and in three days, I'm going to raise it. No, Lord, you can't go to the cross. And what does, Peter tell, what does Jesus tell Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You, don't understand. you got the things of man in your mind. And I think so many times we are inherited a promise and we're conceived with a promise from God. And I'm telling you, it goes back even to our childhood when we prayed and things didn't happen and unbelief came in us and we have struggled our walk and we've had theological issues because of things that didn't come to pass in our walk with the Lord. But many times it doesn't come to pass because God has another plan. And the Israelites and the disciples didn't understand 
understand why Jesus was being crucified, but it was for our liberation. It was for our freedom. And sometimes your promise dies so God can resurrect it again. Who's believing for a promise? Who's fighting in here for their promise? Who says I'm not going to give up on what God told me? You know, if you think about this, perfection came in a promise and perfection died for imperfection so imperfection could be made perfect. Man, love conquered death. It conquered death. The greatest love story ever told. You know, I watched The Passion of the Christ and y'all, let me just say, what we do at the end of the movie, we, in our, with our family, we were like, hey, what's your takeaways? What did you get from that? And man, I'm just sitting there with my kids and my wife, and I'm just weeping, man. I can't stop crying. And, and it's just seeing Jesus broken for me, I, I feel like I need to get saved again. I, I saw how sinful I saw how, and let me tell you that I strive for holiness. I live for holiness. This is the dichotomy of it. I live to be, I walk holy. I live holy. I structure my whole life holy. But watching what Jesus did for me in that close proximity, I, my righteous works are but filthy rags. I can never repay him for what he's done for me. And all of my efforts and all of my strivings and everything is just filthy works compared to what he's done. And the Lord was showing me, just receive my love. Just receive my love. And it's out of that love that you'll do the thing that I'm calling you to do. I just felt so sinful, man. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have any willful sin in my life. Why do I feel like this? I'm going to tell you the true gospel preach should always make us feel in our hearts. Not that we're sinners. I'm not trying to put that sentence on us because Jesus died to free us from sin. But when the true gospel is preached, man, you just go to the Brownville Revival. When they would preach, they, would, they had such an anointing to lift the name of Jesus. The Bible says if you lift Jesus up, all men are going to draw unto him. So it's a strength and a power that comes from the Holy Ghost. And I pray every time I preach, I'm like, Lord, give me the strength to illuminate Jesus, to lift him up, to make him seen, not me. I want to show him off because I know if I preach the true gospel, it's going to touch your heart and boom, repentance is going to happen inside of you. And the scripture says, and then the times of refreshing will come upon you. You don't think about that, though. It's like, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. We had a youth service about a month ago, and, and I preached on God the judge, and I didn't want to preach on it because I really re would rather have, you know, funnies, and, and it was a very serious message. But my God, hey, hey, teens, did God show up or what? Did he show up? And it was like the opposite. When I preached on God the judge, it was like the opposite of what I thought. Everybody was floating on love, man. Because unless you see that there's a justice side of God, you'll never understand his love, man. You'll never know. Unless you have the fear of the Lord, you won't get a full understanding of what his love means. And so where am I going with that? I don't know, but I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching. The title of my message today is When the Promise Dies. When the Promise Dies. It's Superior Flooring and Construction. 
it dies for me about once a year. I'm like, Lord, you call me a king, and I don't see it. The truth of the matter is we all have things that we're believing for. When the promise dies, I, uh, I chose this picture because it shows the soil. It's kind of hard to see, but then right under it, uh, there is a seed. And, uh, you know, the Bible says unless a grain of wheat falls and dies, it shall not produce. And I was talking to Rachel who just did a message on the seed has to die. And she said the seed actually doesn't take on new form until it dies. And so many times God lets our promise die because we have relegated it in our natural minds, not in our spiritual minds. So if we got the promise in our carnal mind, it will destroy us and destroy people. Are you hearing me? Those of you who are waiting on the promise, those of you who have been believing and nothing's happening, God is saying, I have to bring it to a place that it dies so that it can live. I have to kill all flesh. I have to kill all carnality. And I have to resurrect it in the realm of the spirit so that you understand what this gift is about, what this promise is about. When a promise dies, is anybody... I want to give you four things or four ways that the promise comes. How does the promise come? Number one, what you're believing God for. How many of y'all know it's biblical scriptural to take God at his word and, and say, Lord, I'm believing you for the, you know what it's called? It's called faith. It's called Matthew 7, asking it shall be given unto you. Are you with me? So it is biblically correct to have a promise based upon what you're believing God for. When I was 17 years old, I had a journal, and I wrote in that journal, and I, and I remember writing in the journal, I asked God for a wife, and I said, Lord, and I remember crying on the pages of my prayer journal. 17 years old, I had a little small encounter at a Baptist church, and God done something in me, and I turned to him, and I started writing, and I asked God for a wife, and six months later, the promise came right here, and I've been with her ever since. He's a faithful God. But those of you who are believing for a mate that are believing that you'll be married one day, just cry out. What are you believing God for? What are you putting before him? Are you believing him for that spouse? Are you believing him for that job? Are you believing him for that breakthrough? What is the thing that you are bringing before God? We're talking about when a promise dies. Sometimes it'll die before life comes to it. Number two, the written word. How many know you can grab a hold to scripture and that scripture can be a promise from God for you? You believe in God for a healing? Grab a hold. By his stripes, I am healed. That's all the validation you need. If it is written, it is yours. You're a child of God. Grab a hold to it and do not let it go. Now, will the devil come for it? We know in Mark chapter 4, the Bible says that he comes to snatch away the word. So, yes, the, the enemy will come to try to dissuade you from what you're believing and what your promise is in your heart. Whatever the written word is, hold on to it. My word was James 1.17. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, and she was my perfect gift that I held on to that word, and God brought it to pass in Jesus' name. Number three, the prophetic. The prophetic. I remember I was in this church, 
year 2000. I remember what I was wearing, where I was sitting. I was sitting about right where you are, Ryan, me and John. It was between, I don't know, Ryan and Dylan, maybe somewhere between there. You remember that? And the prophet John Nelson stood right here, and he pointed me out, and he said, son, I'm like, with the striped shirt on. I had a striped polo shirt on, black and white, I remember. That's how you know the word of God. You remember the time, the date. You remember all the elements that happened around it. And he says, son, you're an evangelist. He says, come here. So he calls me up, and he's like, he gives me that. I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, did he know I smoked crack like a week ago? <laughs> like, I, you know, what is an evangelist? I had to go look it up. I'm like, does that have anything to do with dealing drugs? <laughs> What's the relativity here? But anyway, I was searching for God, man. I was looking for him. And man, I wasn't even looking for a word. I didn't even know what a word was. That's how them words mess you up. You don't even know about what a word is. And then all of a sudden, boom, God hits you with a prophetic word. You're like, oh, I like that. I want more of that. And then we all go through the season where we word seekers. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I hope he gives me a prophetic word. We got to be like the Shunammite woman. It's just like, dude, don't flatter me. I don't, I don't want to even hear it. Because let me just say this. Let me say this. You get a word. Let me, let, me, let me just tell you this. You get a word of promise. Believe me when I tell you, whether it's prophetic, whether it's written, or whether you're believing for it, when you get a word, get ready. The enemy is going to come for that word because it's like you're conceived with a baby. And it's just like Mary. When she was conceived with Jesus, man, all of Herod's lynchmen were looking for her to take that baby out because that baby has the power to resurrect life in your life. So know that. you got to protect that. You got to protect that word. Roy, I bet you there's been words spoken over you over the years. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to get to that word. And my prayer, son, is that it be activated in you today. The word of the living God in you. Number four. I love you, Roy. He'll be like, we got to talk about you calling me out. All right. I think I had a number four, but do you see a, a number four? That was three. I think we have... We're not on the four keys, and then we'll get to the 12 steps. And No, I'm just kidding. All right. Four keys. No, back up one frame. One, one frame. Wrong. Yeah, there it is. And then this is the fourth way that a promise comes to us. It's a rhema. Rhema. You know, do, do you understand when I say rhema what that means? That means because we're children of God. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, they will not follow another. It is our inheritance to hear his word. Yes. 2000, I'm at the home of grace, and I'm just in a worship service, and I hear the Spirit speak to me, and he says this to me. He said, your wife is pregnant, name the child Gabriel. Man, that'll freak you out, man. You know what I'm saying? We're barely making it now. What do you mean? So, living proof that the word is true. Gabe, would you stand up back there just for a second? Every bit of 18 years old, 
the promise of the Lord came. And the Lord is protecting him. And I know that he has a plan for his life. I still don't know what it is. <laughs> I know he's a great drummer. And a car enthusiast, okay? So maybe he'll start a ministry with uh, automobiles. Hallelujah. Y'all got to keep me on point here, man. All right. The four keys to supernatural resurrection of your promise. I'm doing good on time, y'all. Number one. Number one, stay in the anointing. Stay in the anointing. Second Kings. Second Kings 4.10, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. She made room for the presence of God in her life. Are you hearing me? You got to stay in the anointing if you're going to keep the promises of God alive and activated in you. She, it cost her something. Let me just tell you something. There are mornings I don't want to get up and come to church. There are Wednesday nights. Oh, my God, every devil on this side of the river comes against me. But I know the anointing is here. I know the presence of God is here. Man, I remember one Wednesday night, I'm struggling, man. I don't want to go to church. I got, so, I got every reason why not to come, y'all. I'm just telling you. And they're all valid. And so I'm like, all right. So I'm dragging in. I'm, I'm, I work late. I'm, I'm dragging. And it's five minutes to seven. And Pastor Clayton was on the keyboard. And there he was playing the keys. I walked into service, y'all. I was like walking into heaven. Whew. I'm telling you, every burden, everything that was vexing me, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting under Pastor uh, Clayton's worship, and while I'm worshiping, I can just feel this river just coming out of me, and in this river, man, I see the Lord looking at me. Oh, my God, his face is so beautiful. Oh, my God, his hair. I just remember the countenances. It's indescribable. And here's the thing that got me, man. It was his eyes. And his eyes was just, they were like blue, but they were fire, man. Oh, my God. I can't even explain it. And this took me out. Y'all ready? He smiled at me. <laughs> but let me just tell you, when Jesus smiles at you, there's meaning behind it. And this is what his smile said to me. I'm not upset with you. I love you. I affirm you. You are my son. I am pleased with you. Now, I wouldn't have got that if I would have decided to work late. You see what I mean? And in that, in that encounter, that was a few Wednesdays ago, it activates every seed of promise in me. It comes alive. You have to stay in the anointing. I went through years of battling drug addiction for eight and a half years as a saved, born-again believer coming to this church, and I would get touched by God, and then I would go back out and go do vile, nasty, not good things, right? And then I, but, but I knew I had to stay in. My only lifeline, my only hope was the anointing that was on this house. That was my only hope.
And I remember, man, I had a word that I would be an evangelist, but I'm locked up in a hotel room for like three days and nobody can find me. An evangelist? What kind of evangelist are you? But man, and, and I would start believing, you know what? I'm going to die like this. I'm not going to make it. This is, this is not going to work out. I, I, I start doubting. And then all of a sudden, after about being out for like three months, I walk in this church service and boom, the anointing hits me. And it doesn't matter what I did. But when I get into the one who did it all, something changes on the inside of me. And that freedom and that love and that presence. And that seed comes back to life. Yes, you are my son. Yes, you are my evangelist. Yes, you are what I say you are. It's the anointing, man. It's the anointing. And my prayer is that we will never water down the anointing in this church. Because this is what the lost need. They need the presence of Almighty God. They need the river of his love and his presence and his healing virtue. And sometimes our physical healing doesn't happen because our soul needs to be healed first. And so that's what the river's for, to heal our soul so we can step into. Oh, I don't know where that came from. That was not in my notes. <laughs> Conceive with the promise. If you're struggling in here tonight, today, with anything, I want you to know the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. I got some um, pegs for my tent. What they call tent pegs? Thank you. I don't know. Spiritually, I just felt like I was about to tent peg some of y'all feet down to this church. <laughs> Don't matter what you did, just get to the house of God. Yes, Are you hearing me? It's the last thing the Lord wants you to, I mean, that's the last thing the enemy wants you to do is to get here because the word is being preached, accompanied with the spirit. And I'm telling you, it ain't got to be deep and it ain't got to be all of this. All I got to be is anointed. Yes. Amen. Stay in the anointing, number one. Number two, number two, speak right words. I was kind of concerned Ms. Sue's going to correct me on this one. This is supposed to be like, speak the right words. But I felt like it was like a play on words. Speak right your words. Speak right. Speak right words. Speak right words. You want to know what the problem with the church is? Right here. Right here. You want to know what the problem with, if I had to say I had a problem? Right here. This is it. Right here. What comes out of our mouth that's where the power's at that's where the victory's at that's where the over that's how I germinate my seed that's how I activate my seed of promise that's in me is I have to speak right and all hell's coming against you so that you speak wrong yeah. that, that's the deal all hell wants you to do is get in agreement with the natural. But I'm telling you, all heaven wants you to do is speak right. Speak the word. Believe the word. And declare it over your life. 2 Kings. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, tap your neighbor and say it as well. Do you think we could ever get to a place where all hell's breaking loose, and we can tell our we can tell our wife, we can tell our kids, we can tell our friends, it is 
That needs to be our new saying. I feel like a mantra just fell on the church right there. Well, yeah, Tim. No more Jesus is king. We're going to it is well now. Okay? All right? New, that's, the new, that's the new saying. You're going through it? It is well. I want you to think about this. Just for a second. This is just hitting me right now. The Shunammite lady drove 24 hours there and back to get from the prophet back to the dead son. And she never had an emotional outbreak, not one time. Do you see that? Man, I would have been going at the headache. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Most of us would have lost it right there. No, I'm just kidding, because I ain't speaking right. It is well. <laughs> Why are you going to him today? It is either the new moon or the south. She said, it is well. Boy, that woman's a gangster of faith right there. We got any gangsters of faith in here tonight? Huh? Come on. I love faith talk. Man, sometimes I go to sleep, I just put Jonathan Charles' words right in my ear, and I just listen to him preach faith to me. Just preach faith. You know, preach faith. I love faith. I love it. And you know what else? God loves it. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of the promise of those that diligently Seek him. Speak right words. Where do words come from? Matthew 12. Root of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, my promise ain't doing what it's supposed to do. Okay, what I'm believing God for, my breakthrough, what... Um, what God spoke to me, what I have a prophetic word, my destiny, it's not coming to pass. I need to pull up the hood of my heart and examine what's going on. Is this on God or is this on me? Because many times the promise is not coming to pass because I'm vexing the promise with my words. Sometimes it's my words, and I disqualify by what I say. And, and, and let me show you how far this goes. You got to be careful what you say about your own children. You better be careful what you say over your business, what you say over any entity of your life, because those words the enemy can use against you in the courtroom of heaven. He can bring a trial. He can bring an accusation to the Lord and says, why should I heal his son? Even his own dad speaks against him. And sometimes what we have to do is we got to go back and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Me and, me and Blake, me and Blake are both alpha males. And uh, Blake is a lot like me. And He's strong and ambitious, and sometimes we step on each other's toes quite often. And I, I think you're stepping on my toes more than you know you're stepping on them, like, you know. And so the other night, man, I, I had you know, kind of murmured some things. I was about the saw, you taking the saw. And, and uh, I'm like, 
And then all of a sudden, it was Wednesday night, actually, stay in anointing, because after the service, we went home, and I'm sitting outside on the sofa, and I just said, you know what, Father, forgive me. I, I don't want my heart to have any kind of begrudging tendencies towards my son, and I know that my words, and so I, before the Father, I said, Lord, please, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I pray that you would forgive me. I plead the blood, and then all of a sudden, my prayer shifted. And man, I just started prophesying over Blake. I started speaking life over him. It was like I knew that the blood had cleansed me, and like the, the word curse was broken in that moment. And then I'm like, oh my God, my heart has just changed. That's amazing. Yeah. Like it was just like that. It was instantaneously. And so Blake comes home. Y'all check this out. Almost the exact same time. If not the exact same time I was praying for him, me and his mother was praying for him, he walks out of Ichiban and he sees a man and he felt like the Lord spoke to him. Now, now Blake doesn't go to people and go pray for people. That's not his gig, right? But he felt like the Lord spoke to him and he turns around, he looks at the man and he says, Daddy, he said, I just started, he said, it was just flowing out of me with power. He said, I was just praying for him. It's like everything I said was just so from haste. I'm so charged up. Why? Because I broke the curse by my words. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to speak over my son like that. And the moment I did, heaven invaded him and worked through him. Got to watch what we say, y'all. How much more for our own life? Speak right words. This Shunammite woman, she had a revelation, she said, it is well. We need to tell our situation, our circumstance, it is well. We need to say it until we believe it. The Bible says, commit your works to the Lord and your heart will be established. Speak right words. I don't know if y'all heard about the story of Creflo Dollar. 2013, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive prostate cancer. And the reason you don't hear about it is because when they had diagnosed him, he told his wife and all the people that was around him, he said, do not use the word cancer in my midst. Don't ever say it. He said, I do not want to hear it. Him and his wife went on a two-week fast. They didn't even come out of their room. They wouldn't even go to the doctor because they knew the doctor was going to proclaim sentence and judgment over them. So for two weeks, they fasted and they prayed. And they just declared the word. He got with Gloria Copeland, who had a, a monologue of healing scriptures and a, a bunch of stuff on healing. And they just ate it for two weeks without eating food. They fed themselves the word of God. They listened to healing scriptures. They proclaimed and decreed the will, the word, and the power of God over their situation. You know what they were saying? It is well. It is well, it didn't seem well, aggressive stage of prostate cancer, supernaturally healed by the power of God. Creflo Dollar is 100% free of cancer because he spoke right words. You know, you think about something serious like cancer that, you know, your whole life would have to change. I'm just thinking about how my life rose and I don't get a lot of focus time and a lot of attention time where I can be in the presence of God and just be meditating. I'm always getting harassed by 
situations and circumstances out there, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know, in a work realm, in a secular realm, I mean, it's, I, I wish I could bubble it out. But really, there's, there, there needs to be an input that's equal to my output. There needs to be an, a, a place where my life, I have to concentrate my mind upon the word of God to the point that I'm not speaking wrong things over my life. Because we can't afford to not be in victory, guys. There's souls. There's, there's so much at stake. I think about the days that I fleshed out. How many souls did I miss? How many divine opportunities did I miss? Speak right words. Number three. Number one, stay in anointing. Number two, speak right words. And number three, dig deep and don't give up. Second Kings. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. Now, I want you to get this picture real quick. So in those days, it was the king and the prophet. They reigned, they were like the influencers of the land. And so to grab a hold to the prophet's feet would be like grabbing a hold to the president of the United States feet. How many Secret Service agents you think will be on you try to grab his feet? So this woman, in her bold tenacity, she dug deep. And the scripture says she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me. And has not told me. It reminds me of the Paraphoenician woman. Syrophoenician woman. Paraphoenician. Syrophoenician woman. She was paranoid. Syrophoenician woman. Who just pushed through, man, with just great faith. And I just want you guys to know there's going to be times where you're not going to, you're going to, you're not going to feel it. You're going to be like, I don't feel the promise. I'm believing God for my son. And it's just, it's, and you want to give up. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like that's once a week for me, man. I, I, I come to this cliff where, you know, this notion or this thought crosses my mind and I want to give up. And I have to be careful when that happens to, that my mouth is loaded with the right thing. And the only way my mouth is going to be loaded with the right thing is if my heart's loaded with the right thing. And the only way my heart's going to be lo loaded with the right thing is if I'm in a stage of repentance with the Father, just constantly, Lord, I pray that you clean. And, and in his presence, are you with me? Because, you know, it's not about willful sin. Now it's about iniquity. It's about what's going on in my heart. So that's the next stage for the believer. You get out of willful sin, and now you got to peel the layers back in yourself. You're like, oh, I just felt a little inclination of pride. I saw you. I saw you. I'm about to get you. I felt you. You got to run that dude down, man. Like my wife runs down to Simrose. <laughs> Listen, Faith and I, we have witnesses, babe. I'm just saying. <laughs> Faith said we got three witnesses. Somebody loves me. Did you do that, baby? Grant, you're so amazing. I love you. Grant, I'm never going to look at you the same before. <laughs> Dig deep and don't give up. I want you to know something, church, today that you have another level that you've not tapped into. Yeah. And the reason we haven't tapped into it is because really, in the society that we live in, we have it easy. And we're not between a rock and a hard place, like what I read about Sri Lanka this morning, about the bombings in the Easter. So we're not, 
We're not concerned that somebody's going to bomb the church today. You know what I mean? So we're not having to dig deep. We're just trying to figure out how I'm going to get to them. Get the roast out the pot and my family's coming over and like, man, I hope I got enough food. I mean, you know, that, that's what we're challenged with. You know, I'm not saying we don't have issues. I'm not saying we don't have, you know, we got bills that come up and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's all easy. It's all better. But, con- but compared to the rest of the world, we're not. And, and, and many people will tell you that's why we don't see the miracles and the power of God manifesting is because we haven't really learned how. To dig deep when we want to give up. Just for a minute, let's just think about this. What if you would oftentimes put yourself in a place that you really needed God? Or you would put yourself in a place where it would be hard. I got everybody looking at me like I'm crazy right now. But listen to what I'm saying. It's not fun to fast. I don't like fasting all the time. But sometimes I put myself in that place so that what's deep within me will come out. I don't always want to preach. There's times that I don't want to witness to people. But sometimes I put myself in that place so that what's deep within me will come out. And many times it comes out through failure and the anguish of failure, that which is deep. Then the anointing begins to burst forth. Chris and I, I mean, Friday was good Friday and I'm, I'm trying to work and, and I, I'm like, I, I can't even, I'm meditating on the crucifixion of Jesus and, and I, I'm, I couldn't work, y'all. I had to leave work. I called Chris. I said, Chris, you want to go witnessing? Chris is so cool. He'll go witness anytime. <laughs> anytime. Like, anytime I call him. I'm like, hey, Chris, you want to go witness? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I believe so. So, <laughs> the Bible says that you shall, that power will come on you and you will be my witnesses which is another word for martyr. And every time I go witness, I feel like a martyr. I feel like I'm dying, but I do it anyway because he died on the cross for me. And so I went out, Chris and I went out, and, and, uh, and we had some good encounters, but we had some bad ones too. And I, you know, one guy, you know, that we were talking to, and, and it's, it's sometimes hard to relate to this. This guy, I don't, several months before, I lost his son-in-law, got shocked, electrocuted to death and we just walk up on him and we just and you could tell he's kind of a well-to-do guy and and we start ministering start talking to him and he's telling us a story and he's like his his daughter's not right and this man is just grieved y'all and I, I say to him and this this guy hasn't left my mind I say to him I said hey man let's pray for you y'all I'm talking about the head spinach he's like no no what do you say Chris no, go on, go on, go on. I kept talking. And he could not look at me. He turned his head. And I wanted to quit, y'all. I wanted to quit because he's telling, telling us to leave. But I kept talking. And I kept talking. And he wouldn't look. And so, I don't know, another minute or so goes by, maybe two minutes. And I'm talking. And he's just... <clears throat> You know, he got his, well, I'm being a little facetious. He maybe not growling, but uh, he's just not looking at us, all right? He's turned away 
And then finally, I said, all right, I'm running out of words. I don't know what else to say. He told me not to pray for him. And so Chris and I walk away, and I'm like, Chris, did you feel like we should have kept pushing? Chris goes, absolutely. <laughs> this is why digging deep is important. I said, what would Todd White have done? He would pray for him anyway. And, and so it's an area that we all need to be prepared and be ready to go deeper because that man's breakthrough could have been one more step. I felt like he was so close, man, so close. And, of course, I left, and I felt like I missed it. And I felt I was, you know, going through the whole, God, I should have pushed. And, you know, and, and then you don't want to be too pushy as a Christian. You know, you're looking for that fine balance. You, you're trying to obey the Holy Spirit and listen to what's going on on the inside. But I knew in my heart I should have pushed harder. I should have went a little bit further. And so I was disappointed. And, and you know, of course, you know, you deal with the, the, the disappointment of failure and all that. But, but let me just say, it digs deep in you. And I grieved and I lamented over that. And so the next day I go to the gym and boom, three young men, 20 years old, I just went up to them and started sharing the love of God with them. And all three of them prayed for Jesus to save them right there in the gym. And I feel like it's because what we did Friday set up the encounter for what happened Saturday. We got to dig deep. This woman dug deep. She went for his feet. She went and grabbed his his feet and she would not let go. In 2014, I'm almost done, y'all. In 2014, pastor came to me and he said, hey, Kevin, I'm ordaining Mickey, Tony, Kyle, and Nick. He's like, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to ordain you. It's okay. That was my reaction, too. (laughs) I said, really? And I was trying to hold it together, y'all, but, like, on the inside, I am, like, not doing well. And I no, it wasn't wasn't well. I'm just telling you. And so I'm like, okay. And man, about two days went by after he told me, you know, with some stuff I was trying to work out with uh, finances, IRS stuff, and totally 100% legitimate why he wasn't going to, why he was thinking of not ordaining me, but he didn't have the whole story. And I didn't know he didn't have the whole story. And so I'm for two days, y'all, I, I am like just a mess. I'm like, God, I don't, who can serve more in this church than me? I lay my life down for these people. How can you not ordain me? Oh, I was undone. I was fit to be tied, y'all. I'm like, oh. And after about two days of that, (laughs) two days. I don't even know if I worked, y'all. I mean, I was so disappointed. But I want to tell y'all, it was a test. I knew God told me I would be an evangelist. I would be a pastor. I would be a preacher. I knew it. But now it looks like my promise is dying right before me. And pastor's like, uh-uh, I'm probably not going to ordain you. But I'm, ord- I'm like, who is Nick Hager? He's only been here like six months. Oh, my God. I'm like, I get Mickey. Mickey's my boy. Tony, I love, man, oh, my God. And it wasn't that I didn't love everybody else. I mean, I mean, I wanted him to be ordained. I just wanted to be ordained more. And finally, I got my heart right. 
And pastor come back to Superior. And I'm like, pastor, you do know I paid the IRS off, huh? And he's like, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I ordained you, no problem. I'm like, two days? Are you kidding me? It wasn't even a big deal to him. And I'm just, oh, I'm like dying. Like my promise died right before me. Like if you ain't getting ordained here, I, I don't want to be ordained nowhere else, right? Because this is where the power in the river's at, right here. You know? Plus, you can't redo family. This is my family, you know? These are my pastors. These are my spiritual parents. And so, but I had made a decision in my heart. I was going to endure. And then God turned it around. You see that heart thing? But you got to dig deep. Number four, we're almost done. It's the last point. Number four, learn to prosper in famine. Verse 38. And Elijah returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. 2 Kings 4.38, there was a famine. And because the Shunammite woman made room for the anointing in her life, because she spoke right words, because she dug deep, she had a relationship with a type and a shadow of God through the prophet. And when the famine was coming, God spoke to the prophet. The prophet spoke to the Shunammite woman and says, get your family and get to the land of the Philistines because there's a famine coming. And so in the middle of the famine, she lost her property. They were very wealthy. They had a lot of to do. They had a lot of goods. And at the end of the famine, the seven years, they were blessed through the famine. She comes back and someone had occupied her. Someone had occupied her place. So she decides to go to the king. And just so happens, Gehazi, the dude with leprosy now, because he like messed up, is at the right place at the right time talking to the king about all the miracles Elijah had done. And the miracle walked in the room. And because she prevailed, God opened the door and she prospered in the famine. She got all of her land back. She got everything restored back to her because her promise died and she allowed God to resurrect it. We don't like famine. You know, I know in the church, you, you, you deal with a lot of valleys. I was talking about it earlier. And how many of y'all know there's a day when the goosebump don't hit you? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, you come to church and you just mad. When is this famine? is going to be over with. I'm ready to go home. Come on, somebody. Don't be hanging all holy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you like stand off in the space. You ain't heard a word the pastor said. You just got your mind on something. When is this going to be over? That's famine, man. That's famine. Come on now. My son Gabe just went through famine. He, uh, y'all, my son Gabe is a car enthusiast. So is Blake. But Gabe is like 18. He's been prophesied that he's going to be an entrepreneur, and I'm, I believe it. Because, uh, yeah, amen. And so, just not on daddy's dollar. So, so these are some of Gabe's cars here. You can see his, well, he's set, like, y'all, he's 17. I ain't got all this stuff. 18, that's right. Okay, thank you. See, that's why the woman takes care of the man, the shooter my woman right there. All right, so you see that white 240? That might not look like much, but that's like a drifter's dream. And then he had a black 240 that he traded for this Mazda right here 
This Mazda RX-8, which is like 10 years newer than the other car he had, he trade. Would, would you say he traded up? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, amazing. So I'm like, Gabe, that is like amazing. I said, but I tell you this, right now, if something wrong with that vehicle, no be okay, buddy. No bank of Kevin. I'm just telling you right now. No be okay. The bank of Kevin is closed. That's your promise. That's you and the Lord right there. I ain't getting involved in your promise. So you see that van that's back on the left corner? That's when he had to drive to school for three months. You can hear from three blocks away. And if you in high school, you can't be pimping no minivan. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I mean, you mean you might not even make it through the day at school if you're driving a minivan. That just shows you how tough Gabe is. And so what happened was he gets the car and the power steering didn't work. What happened was the power steering didn't work. And so that wasn't a big deal, except for sometimes the power steering helps you to turn. <laughs> and he hit like a curb. And he like knocked the motor mounts out and all kind of stuff. The repair bill was $1,340. We talking about famine. How many of y'all know when you're looking at a bill, it's like famine? <laughs> Especially when you're 18 and you ain't got a job. And daddy said he ain't helping. And so I decide, all right, you know what? I'm going to fix the car, but I'm not going to release the car to him until he pays me back every single penny. First time I ever did that, y'all don't know I needed emergency prayer on that one. I needed, I needed people to hold up my arms and my feet, right? Because I knew, I knew he was going to hit the puppy dog on me. He was going to hit the hard talk on me. He was coming at me in every direction, right? I knew it. Sensitive, Gabe. You got to pet him the right way because he's like a cat, man. You pet him the wrong way, he will bite you. And so I'm like, I'm going to stand my ground. I am, and so I'm, we're a month in, and then I made it like super easy for him. I'm like, I got a house that I'm working on. It's, a, it's an investment property. I'm going to pay you like $12 an hour, dude. I'm going to pay you good money to come and work, right? And so he's like not happy about it. He's like... Daddy, you could just, just get, you could just do it. You just, you could just give me the car. I'm like, nope, Gabe, you got to work for it. And so about 20 hours into it, he's like, I can't do this. This is too much. This is too much. You'd have thought, you'd have thought that, that I was the worst parent in the world. You'd have thought that I was doing him this great injustice, this great evil. He was going through famine. <laughs> Didn't work for two or three weeks. Just mad. So, I mean, just mad. Because he felt like his promise died. How many of y'all ever been there? You just mad because this thing ain't coming to pass. And the, the better just got worse and the worse just getting worse. You know what I mean? It's like I'm thinking I'm getting ahead and, the, and I take two steps forward and ten back, you know. And so I stuck to my guns, y'all. I stuck to my guns. And he kept going. And look, it was hard, man, because he's like, he's like really, he's militant, y'all. You can't break his face. You ain't going to make him smile. He's like, he's in your, I mean, he's just, he, he got good, great control of his emotions. But what he didn't know, 
was that the father was behind the scenes bringing his car to Mazda to get the power steering fixed, which was $1,400 on top of the $1,340. So he's mad at the father because the promise hadn't come to pass, and the promise, the father has the ability and the power to bring the promise to pass, but yet he don't know that his father's in the background working a miracle to make the promise better than what it was before. So the whole famine thing was a big test by the father to see if he was going to pass it so that the father could bless him with the gift. Are y'all here? What are you believing for today? What are you, what has died in your heart that you want God to resurrect? What is it that you need God to breathe new life into? Please don't give up. Please dig deep. Please stay in the anointing. Please speak right words. Please let this story, this Shunammite woman, be an inspiration to you today that you will not let go of the promise. And many of you that are here, it, it even comes down to um, just not even knowing if you can do this Christian walk anymore. Guys, I want to encourage you not to give up, to dig deep. Would you jump to your feet with me? Two more scriptures. This is how good your father is in heaven. Romans? No, let's skip the Romans and go to the Matthew. For everyone who asks, receives. I don't know, is that what it says? For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. It doesn't say how long it's going to take. Or what man is there among you, if the son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Everybody say good things. Good things. To those who ask him. Yeah, you can say that too. I like Luke's version of this because it says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, for those who ask him? I don't know if you see what I see in that, but it's the Holy Spirit that's going to keep the promise alive in you. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to preserve you. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to encourage you. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to comfort you in famine. So maybe you're here today and you have never received the promise one because all of the promises of God really lead to one thing. And that is the promise giver, Jesus Christ. Every promise in that word leads me to him. And he is the one that settles my heart, not the promise when I get it. The promise that I'm believing for just really brings me to him. Today I want to ask you, What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now through this message? What has he said to you? What is he saying? Do you need 
to meet Jesus? Maybe you looked up here and saw me with all this passion and you like, man, I don't have it like that. I, I want to ask you today, are you saved? If you died today, would you go to heaven? If you're, if you're under the sound of my voice today and you're not sure where you would spend eternity, all this, everything that we do, it all leads back to Jesus, man. And you need to have a Jesus encounter so that you will be saved and born again and that you will be made alive. You have to take the seed of promise that the Father has given. His name is Jesus. If you're in here today and you're not sure that you would go to heaven, I want you to slip your hands up. Every eye close. Slip your hands up. Slip your hands. I see, your, I see some hands. Cool, cool. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Feels like we need to get right with Jesus. We're going we're gonna to pray a corporate prayer this morning. And then I'm going to do an altar call for those that need the promise reactivated in them. One more time, guys. You're in this house. Don't leave this. Let today be an earmark for the rest of your life. The day that you became brand new. The, the day that everything changed. If you're in here right now and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're not sure that you would go to heaven, would you please raise your hand right now? The devil doesn't want you to raise your hand. I'm just telling you. Don't let him hold you back right now. I'm not going to embarrass anybody in this place. Please don't look at this as being embarrassed. This is about you and God. This is about your heart. And when you lift your hand up, you are telling God, I want you and I don't want Satan. If you're in this place today and you are not saved and you know you're not saved and you are not raising your hand, you are telling Satan, I want you. Inadvertently, so be it. You are telling Satan that if you're in this place right now, one more time, I know it in my spirit. There's somebody in here that needs to raise their hand because you are not right with God. You got sin in your life. And the one that can cleanse you of that sin is here right now to set you free. If that's you I'm speaking to, would you raise your hand real boldly, real boldly right now, right now, right now. Okay, I see it. I see it. All right. Good, good. The Lord wants to touch you today. The Lord wants to save you. The Lord wants to do a new work in you. Every single one of you who raised your hand, I want you to lift both hands up right now for salvation. And I want you guys, everybody in this church right now with me, under the sound of my voice, we're going to pray out to heaven and heaven's going to come and it's going to invade our hearts today. So say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you. You died for me. I surrender my life. I repent of my sins. Give me new grace. Call the Holy Spirit to fill me, to save me, to cleanse me, and to change me. Jesus, I make a new commitment to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. All right, and the last part of this altar call is going to be, if you're in here today and you feel like you've been struggling to hold on to the promise, maybe it's got to do with your destiny. Maybe it's got to do with a wayward son. Maybe it's a, a prayer that you've been praying that you have not seen fruit in. We want to touch and agree with you today that God's going to activate it and resurrect it. Why? Because 
The hope of that promise is the anchor to your soul by which you attach your faith to. And without it, there is no hope. Are you with me? So we want to grab a hold of that promise and we're going to war with that promise for the days to come. Amen. So that the enemy will not get you in a place where you'll be defeated. So if that's you today and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, would you be so bold and so kind as to come up to the altar and I'm going to touch and agree and we're going to pray real quick and then we're going to release you. If you're in this place and you have to go, I understand it's Easter. Uh, well, it's Resurrection Day, rather. Let me say it like that. It's the day that the Lord rose from the dead. If you have to go, we love you and we're praying for you. Just quietly make your way out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. day. I'm so thrilled. You guys who raise your hands for salvation, God's going to do something new in y'all today. Hallelujah. I need some help, Pastor. We wait to walk in the room. Yeah, you're Jeremy and I'll be making a piece. Thank you, Lord. We wait for We wait for you. 